Hi Bloomers, it's Wendy, and I'm thrilled to welcome you back to another episode of Bloom with Flores. In this episode, we will embark on a profound exploration of the intricate relationship between mental health and personal growth. Join us as we discuss the different facets of mental health and the collective wisdom that fuels the journey towards a healthier and more fulfilling life. This conversation goes beyond the surface, blending professional expertise with a deeply personal touch. Whether you're a parent, a teacher, a young individual navigating your own mental health journey, or simply someone intrigued by the complexities of this topic, this discussion promises to be thought-provoking and enlightening. Without further ado, I would like to welcome my dear friend, Darren. I've known Darren for a very long time. We went to the same elementary school, and I have fond memories of our close-knit group from those years. Although most of us have moved on, we make an effort to stay connected. I'm thrilled that you agreed to participate in today's podcast. Would you be so kind as to introduce yourself to our listeners, your name, background, and expertise with mental health? Hey, Wendy. Thanks for having me. Um, this, is, this is a pleasure. My name is Darren Nash. Um, I'm a child and youth worker. But I also have a title of a child and youth counselor. Um, I have been working in the mental health field with youth for going on 16 years now. Um, I work in different areas in the field, um, in the hospital setting, in the community, um, in, uh, in treatment homes, um, in classrooms, high schools, middle schools, you know, all the above. So it's been a, it's been a great journey and I, and I love the work that I do. Darren, when you hear the words mental health, what comes to mind? Okay, that's a good question. Because now, if you were to ask me this question, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I would have a different answer. But now when I hear mental health, um, it could be, it's like a two-pronged answer. I think of mental illness, but I also think of mental wellness as well, too, because there's two sides to it. A lot of the times people hear mental health and they think right away mental illness and have a uh, a negative um, look on it. So yeah, I think about I think about it in two ways. You yourself have struggled with a form of mental health. Would you be willing to share your personal experience? For sure. Um, so before I get into this the story, I am five years and I believe six months from July Uh So yeah, five years and six months sober. Um, I um, you know I struggled with. Um, alcoholism and drug addiction um you know it's uh i didn't realize that i had um an addiction until it was brought to me by my family and my loved ones um but i think it was in 2016 no it's 15 or 16 there was an intervention now with family and friends that basically you know it was brought to my attention that there was concerns you know, I knew leading up to it, I knew there was an issue, but I, I, I didn't want to seek the support and the help um, that I required because the way I was handling, the way I was coping with my, uh, my, my mental health struggles um, at the time, it was, um, it was, it was my way of doing it. I didn't want to listen to anybody else. It was a quick fix, but in the moment, it felt great and it numbed everything. Um, you know, so. You know, there was a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, abuse to my to my body physically from the things that I was doing, 
um, as a young adult, you know, we would go out and we would party and do things and so on and so forth. And people, you know, would drink excessively and stuff. And it was cool. It was, it was accepted. But as I got older and, you know, my, 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 my friends and myself, we, we started families and getting married and stuff, whatever, slowly but surely people start stopped. Um, the circle of friends that were going out kind of got smaller, but I continued. Um, and then the drinking got more excessive. And it started to interfere with my personal life and my work life. Um, but that didn't matter to me. That was my way. I, I felt at the time that's the only way, I, only thing I had control over. So I didn't want to seek help. Um, but it, it was affecting my family and affecting my, my, my work life. I had a, my son was born in 2011. And, you know, um, the drug use wasn't, um, wasn't an issue at that time. It was more the alcohol. But uh, as everybody knows, well, not everybody knows, but, you know, alcohol could be a gateway to other things, and which mm -hmm. it was for me. So, right. it, yeah, that's, that, was, that, was, that was the beginning of, you know, my, um, my spiral down, downhill. Right. So do you think there's a correlation between mental illness and addiction? For sure. Okay. For sure. Um, so my father uh, was diagnosed with depression. Um, he died of suicide when I was two. Um, that I, I believe that was part of the reason why I started to develop um, internal uh, feelings of low self-worth, abandonment, um, all, you know, a lot of different things. But that started at a young age. And, you know, I, I found ways, healthier ways when I was younger to kind of, um, you know, deal with that or just avoidance, right? Um, so, you know, everybody not, might not know, but, you know, it could be a, a generational, right? Um, you know, if somebody in your family down the line has mental illness, it could be passed on to you. It could skip generations and pass it on to you. But, mm -hmm. um, during my journey, um, when I was in active addiction, I, I seeked out some supports and I was diagnosed with, um, type two bipolar disorder. Um, so with that mental illness diagnosis, I started taking medication as well too. But when I was taking the medication, I wasn't taking it properly and I was still drinking and abusing drugs. So that made things a lot worse, but the combination of mental illness and, um, you know, alcoholism and drug abuse is, is, is obviously could be lethal. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely, it definitely makes things a lot worse and it doesn't make anything easier to deal with when you're in active addiction with a mental illness. So addiction, well. addiction is, is kind of like, um, you're trying to mask your mental illness, right? That you're going Basically, through. Yeah. 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 I was, trying to, I was definitely trying to do that. So addiction is a, a form of mental illness as well too. So I, you know, it was, you know, it's, it's my, yeah, my addiction was my, it was a mental illness as well too, but I used that to try, as you said, to mask what I was feeling internally. Um, and I, I thought, I thought at that moment it was helping. Right. Um, right. But it, it clearly wasn't because my world around me was falling apart. Um, and internally I was falling apart. And I wouldn't say that it may have looked like I didn't care from the outside, from people looking in, but I did. I just didn't know how to um, navigate through what I was going through. And, and really and truly, I, I felt embarrassed. And ashamed, um, you know, I didn't want to ask for help. I didn't know how to ask for help. Infants, 
you know, the thing, the thing is, I, I've heard this before and I've lived it now too, being a mental health professional and dealing with, with, with this personally, whether it's yourself or somebody who's really close to you, it doesn't make things easier because you have the, the knowledge and the know-how and the skills to support somebody with mental illness, right? If right. anything, being a mental health professional, it, it, it's probably harder because you are ashamed thinking that I should know better. You know, I have the skills and the knowledge to deal with this. So why am I struggling like this, right? So it's a, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of shame on my end. There's a lot of guilt. Um, there's a lot of a lot of emotions going on. So I tried to deal with it myself, um, but my way clearly didn't work. For you, it was an intervention, right? Your family had an intervention with you. Yes, but do you yes. think do you think that people seek medical attention once they find themselves in a crisis? It's it's, it's different. Um, so I, I work, I work in the hospital and I do crisis assessment with the youth. And I also work on the inpatient floor with the youth. And at times, yes, the youth come in by themselves or with their caregivers or guardians or parents because they're in a, they're experiencing a situational crisis or whatever's going on. And they're coming for, for support and help, which is, which is great. It's just a great first step, you know, and not acknowledging that you have an issue, um, is the first step. And then sometimes they're brought in against their own will. Um, but um, for myself, I I didn't again. I didn't. I wasn't able to seek the mental the mental health supports on my own. Right. Um, I, I was I was thinking back. I was either in denial or I just didn't know that I had an issue. Because a lot of the time I was so my my mind was so foggy that I wasn't thinking clear to be like, okay, you have an issue. Um, you know, you've called in sick like five days in a row. Um, actually, sorry, you didn't call in. You just didn't go to work five days in a row. Wow. Right? Or your car got repossessed because, you know, you've been doing stuff. Or, you know, you couldn't pay this bill because of whatever. Or, you know, you haven't ate in three days. Or, you know, stuff like that. But in that moment, you're not thinking, I have a, I have a problem. You're just thinking of the another way that you can kind of put a, a Band-Aid on what you're feeling. Right? right. And that way always led back to alcohol and drugs, even though as I was coming down from the alcohol and drugs, um, I would tell myself, yeah, I'm not doing this ever again. This is not it. And then, you know, 72 hours later, 24 hours later, 48 hours later, you're back at it. Right. Yeah. So loneliness plays a big part with mental illness, right? And addiction. Um mm -hmm. You probably, when you're in those situations, you feel like you're alone, right? For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, again, as I said, um, verbalizing, accepting, and then verbalizing that to other people that I, I, I'm struggling was very hard for me. Um, I was not, I've never been one to express um, my emotions um, unless I was intoxicated or high um you know sober i i closed off people again people looking outside in would see me as oh darren's the party guy darren's the dancer guy darren's the, the you know happy-go-lucky social the life of the party the party yeah which i was but with the within the partying aspect that's because i was using drugs and alcohol to um not fe not feel and deal with what i was actually um experiencing so it looked like i was having the time of my life right but when i was sober now um 
I was basically just going through the motions. I felt like a, for a long time, I just felt like a shell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt embarrassed. Like I didn't want to tell people what I was experiencing. And I, and I, and I, one of my number one fears and struggles was that I would end up like my father. Right. right. Um, I didn't want to put my, my son through what I experienced. Um, I struggle with thoughts of, of suicide. Um, I never, um, actually attempted but i came near to a few times um right so it's, it's it was a fear and, and i remember i don't remember the exact age that my father um took his life but my mother told me and and when i turned that age that was probably one of the, the roughest years of my life because i was like am i going to live longer than my father did or am i going to you know die the same way he did and put my my son through um, what I went through and what my older brother went through. Um, so for, by, by the grace of God and the support of my family and friends, I was able to break that cycle. And um, from that day of my sobriety, which was June 5th, 2018, it's been nothing but, um, you know, upwards, upwards uh, movement, right? I mean, there's, there's peaks and valleys, there's ups and downs, right? Everybody goes through that. But now I have the mm-hmm. skills and tools and faith in God and, and um, my, my tool belt is just full of different things to, to navigate through these thoughts. Um, but yeah, that's, loneliness is, is huge. It's, and you can have everybody around you too. That's the thing. You, you can have, fancy, myself, I was fortunate to have my family, my friends, you know a lot of things but i still felt um lonely yeah you were still battling by yourself right yeah yeah so i could only imagine what individuals go through and feel that don't really have those supports right so as i said by the grace of god i was able to um get to where i'm at now and be talking to you about my my journey thanks for sharing that in your experience did stress play a huge impact with your mental illness and addiction it's funny because when people ask me if I'm stressed, and when I, when I remember having conversations with my wife about stress and stuff, and oh, I say I'm never, I'm never stressed. I don't get stressed. I don't even know, to be honest with you. I I think I was I, I was so um, I, I I I convinced myself to the point where oh, I don't feel stress, don't feel anxiety. I'm not depressed. Right, but for sure, I was stressed out and anxious and depressed, all the above, and some like manic, um, traumatized, you know, scared, mm-hmm. all the, all the above. Right, so stress definitely played a part in my, in my um, when I was dealing with my with my mental mental illness. And right now, you know, I have moments of feeling stress, but again, I have multiple outlets and tools that I can use to navigate through that stress and it doesn't last long at all um back then it would last weeks months right um i could probably honestly say for a good throughout my active addiction i was stressed anxious and depressed and maybe maybe even prior to even um anybody prior to me acknowledging that i had an issue or anybody even realizing that yeah something's going on with him i've probably been stressed and anxious for a good period of my life prior to June 5th, 2018, right? Mm-hmm. 
So essentially, family members are generally the first point of contact, right? Um, they can either be very supportive or very hurtful when dealing with mental illness. How can family and friends best support someone who is visibly struggling? So there are some individuals um, that understand to a certain extent what mental illness is and the effects of mental illness. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have my wife, my, um, my, my older brother, and my mother who have worked in similar settings. My, my wife is also a child youth worker. My older brother is a child youth worker. My mom's a nurse. So they, they, they understood um, what I was going through. Um, in the beginning, it, as much as they had the background, the experience, the knowledge, it was still a struggle because it wasn't them dealing with it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, you know, my wife has her history of stuff um, that she experienced. My brother, obviously, experienced, you know, similar things that I experienced. I mean, his experience was different because he was older and, you know, whatever. He remembers more of, my, of our father and my mom as well, too. But the thing is, when, as I said earlier, when it hits this close to home, it's different. Yeah. Right. It's 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 a family member, um, you know. I there and I you know I and I don't wrong them for this. There was there was judgment in the beginning because they didn't understand what was going on. Because at first, the fact that there was mental illness, I was struggling with mental illness. I don't think that that was the first thing they thought. You know, because my behavior was erratic, and you know, it looked like you know he just wants to continue to party and do this and that. Whatever. He's not ready to settle down and be a father and be a partner and so on and so forth but um the fact that i had them as a support system i don't think i would be alive if i didn't have them um, my my wife and my older brother were the ones who organized the intervention um the intervention led to me um, checking myself into a 30-day treatment facility mm -hmm. and uh, i was basically given an ultimatum right you have to get help or you're access to your son is going to, you know, be put on pause or right. whatever until you decide to get some help, right? So I had that support. And and my friends were at the intervention too. My close friends were there too. So I had their support. As much as they didn't understand at all what was going on, they're there because they understood that their, their good friend was struggling and they wanted to do anything in their power to support me. And now over the years, um, of me talking to them and then seeing things and whatever, they kind of understand more of what mental illness is and they're mm -hmm. more accepting. Now, that's the positive end of having family and friends that understand and are supportive. But if you have family and friends that are, oh, you're crazy. I remember when we were younger, if we saw somebody walking down the street talking to themselves, oh, that person's crazy. Oh, that person's crazy. Or even years and years and years prior, they would, they would think the person is um, possessed by the devil, yeah. right? And remember, these burn them on stage, it's all that stuff. It's just like, so yeah, now, you know, there's, 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 there's judgment, right? Oh, you're, you know what, just get over it, right? right. Or, or you're being selfish or, you know, you don't have to take medication because whatever, or you're going to talk to a counselor, don't talk to a counselor, you know, that's, that's our family issues. We don't, we know in certain cultures, they, you know, they don't like speaking about family issues outside of the family. Right. Mm -hmm. So that could be detrimental to a person's healing and really make them feel worse. 
uh, like an outcast or like they're they're different or like they're you know they're a burden on the family right so having support us a, a close-knit support a circle of support is very very important yeah when, with somebody dealing with, uh, with mental illness so this segues nicely because you talked about the cultural factor, um, but there's also societal factors. Mm -hmm. There's stigma yeah. around mental illness regardless, right? Mm -hmm. um, how do you think we could do better as a society? You know what? Things like this, like this podcast, um, this session that we're having right now, um, whoever hears it, I believe that, you know, whether they're dealing with their own mental illness um, or they have family and friends dealing with it, right? They can listen to this. They can, um, you know, learn how to support someone close to them that is dealing with it. Or if they themselves are dealing with it, they can maybe get, this could give them the courage or the insight on, 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 on how to navigate through what they're dealing with, right? Who to go to, what to ask, what to, you know, stuff like that. Um, but as a whole, I mean, again, not everybody is in um, the industry that, I, that I'm in, but you don't have to be in this industry in order to help and support and further this conversation um, around the importance of mental illness, right? right. Um, you know, there's so, there's so many ways. Like, for example, I, you know, my, my colleague and I, we are in the midst of creating some, some workshops to talk about um, the effects of mental, mental illness. On people in general, right? right. Um, I'm in the works of, of putting some stuff together to speak to youth about the the, the effects and the the importance of understanding mental illness, the effects on sports, the effects, you know, how it affects you in school, how it affects you at home, right? But overall, you know, the way that you can support someone who's experiencing this is approach it without judgment, with mm -hmm. an open ear. You don't have to have answers just listening and letting the person know that you know what man i'm here for you right whatever you need me to do i will help you with i will support you with you know if you need me to go to see a doc if you want to go see a doctor and you want me there just to sit there with you for support like my mother did with me or my wife did with me and my brother did with me years ago and went to see a therapist um so just little things like that checking in on your family and your friends you know um I have some friends or we, we have some friends that we went to school with that, you know, I don't talk to, you know, maybe once every couple of years, but, you know, you see them on social media and you, you'd see it. Okay. You know, this is kind of off. Like they're posting things that are concerning stuff or even reaching out. Just re it doesn't matter if you haven't spoken in years, just reaching out and saying, Hey, what's up? Are you okay? Right. Um, right. And again, I can pick up on these things because of the field that I'm in. Right. But as human beings, we're able to be see like, okay, you know what? Something's off here. Um, you know, this person might be might be struggling, right? Mm -hmm. And again, a lot of people are hesitant to do that um, just in general because they don't want to offend people. But you know what? I'd rather offend somebody than, you know, find out I was right and I didn't do anything. Right. Right. As humans, I believe that we're here for a purpose and we're here to serve each other, whether it be holding the door for somebody, whether it be through a hug, a handshake, a high five, um, a, a message, you know, um, yeah. a kind gesture or just a, you know, I care about you. I love you. Yeah. How you doing? 
good Some job. Encourage, yeah, encouraging words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So, Darren, things have changed since we were growing up, right? Um, do you think social media influences the mental health of youth? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. Um, unfortunately, I right now, I believe it influences youth more than it encourages and supports youth. And I say right now because I believe that moving forward, um, it's going to take the right individuals to create um, the, the, the right content on social media that will drive youth to understand um, the importance of mental wellness and the effects of mental illness and how to navigate through mental illness and how to support and promote your mental wellness. Social media is a huge tool in general, right? Um, I can create something, which I will, and everybody around the world will have access to it. So that's very powerful, mm -hmm. um, very, very powerful. So right now, as I said, I believe that there's more negative effects on youth than positive, but I'm hopeful that, um, you know, as the years commence, uh, more content um, and even more programs and services will be created to educate youth um, on the, said, the importance of mental wellness and the, and the effects um, and signs of, 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 of mental illness. Yeah, that's important. Um, um, how can workplaces, schools, or law enforcement um, do better? Or do you think that we have a long way to go still? We, there's no, there's no, there's no end game. Mm -hmm. There's no um, end point where it's like, okay, we're here. We did great. Awesome. They're like everything, like everything, you know? Um, but as long as we're taking steps forward, I think that will be good. Um, and and what, I, what I mean by that is to answer your question, I think having individuals such as myself um, that are educated or have experience um, with mental illness and 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 what's mental wellness promotion um, should they should have us there to speak to their staff or their students, um, whether it be in workshops or to um, speak about programs and services um, that their communities offer. Um, I find a lot of the time organizations and schools are so fixated on the 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 curriculum and academic pieces um, or mm -hmm. the, or monetary uh, services for their for their organization. But they forget that in order for their schools, their students or their organizations to be successful, people need to feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. They need to be healthy and not just physically, mentally, emotionally. They need to be healthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There if needs to be a further with, reach. Right. Of course. Yeah. For example, if you have if you if you have a sprained ankle or a tweaked knee, you know, and you're 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 going to be hobbling to work. You're going to be hobbling at work or hobbling in school or you know if you know if you if you have a cold, right? You're not going to function as well as you would if you're feeling good, right? So mentally, it's the same thing. Mentally, if you're not well mentally, you're not going to function to your to the best of your ability. You're not going to be the best version of yourself, and that's where people fail to realize that if you are diagnosed with cancer, you go to the doctor, you get treatment, right? You take medication, right? Mental illness is, 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 is just the same, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
you have to you have to get support and seek treatment. Um, you know, obviously, cancer and mental illness they have it. It's, it's the the effects are different, but mm-hmm. I mean, just as cancer can be uh, life changing or lethal, mental illness could be life changing or lethal as well too. So the, the it's it's it, it it frustrates me that at this moment in time we still don't um, acknowledge the fact that mental illness is a huge issue in our society in every culture right mental mm-hmm. illness doesn't see color uh religion um uh, you know sex, sexual identity anything like that right yeah so age yeah that status <laughs> yeah yeah so what roles do exercise and nutrition play when uh, battling mental illness i like that question because um this is exercise and nutrition not, not so much nutrition I'm trying now, but exercise definitely played a huge role in my journey, especially this year. Um, you know, I, as we were speaking earlier off camera, I didn't realize that I was on this spiritual kind of journey um, until it was brought to my attention. So in May, I started working out. You know, I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm sick of having a dad bun. <laughs> I was like, I feel tired. Um, so I started training for, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a 10 K. So I started training in May and I started feeling better about myself. I wasn't sluggish. I, I wasn't tired when I woke up. I, I didn't need my alarm clock to wake up and I started going to the gym and stuff. And after like, you know, a month and a half, I, if I didn't go to the gym, um, one day I felt like I was missing something. So it just became a part of my routine and I just, um, my mind became clear. Um, you know, I was happier. I obviously I was physically, um, I look phys- physically, I look better, but I felt better mentally. And that was the, that was the number one thing that I realized. I, I realized, you know what? You started off working out and training because you wanted to lose weight and look fit. But what was most important about this entire thing, even now, is that mentally I'm clear. And um, I haven't felt this clear ever in my entire life. And it's funny because now I feel like uh, the universe is speaking to me and, 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 and putting me in the path of other people who are seeking support or looking for support for their loved ones or want to collaborate or, you know, whatever it may be. So, um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I was working out often on during the pandemic, which was you know, in the midst of my sobriety as well, too, but I wasn't really doing much. Um, but it plays a huge, it played and is playing a huge role now in my mental, um, in my journey, in my journey. Yeah. And this is something I'll continue to do. Like, you know, I've, I haven't, I haven't been this consistent in forever, actually. So it's something I continue to do. So in your experience, what are some resources available here in Ontario if, uh, you know, someone is struggling with mental illness. I know there's a a number for suicide, like crisis, right? I think. Yeah, it's... yeah. There's a the number that I think I was in last week uh, or the week before. They um, I saw on the news that there's a new number that you can call uh, nine a dial. Sorry, nine eight eight. I believe. Yeah. I believe this is a crisis line. I think it's a crisis line for everyone, or it might be just for youth. But either way, it's a new a new crisis line, which is amazing. 
Um, there's a there's a lot of crisis lines. There's a kids helpline as well too. Um, I don't know much about the adult lines that you can call. I know the youth lines as well too. There's a list of them that I have at work. But there's there's a ton of agencies in the Toronto Scarborough area, um, and I'm sure across mm -hmm. Ontario. But I know about the ones in Scarborough. Um, community partners that I work with with my job um, at the hospital that I work at as well too in the Durham region. There's a lot of supports out there. But the thing with that is they're all there um, and more so than before, but people don't know about them. They either don't know yeah. about them or as I said earlier, they are too ashamed to walk into these these places and be like, you know, I need help. Right. So right. there has to be a way in which um, you know, we can engage these individuals and, and make them feel like, you know what, you're not alone. You're not alone. This is who we are. And this is what we do. So if you, you know, if you're struggling, here's our number, here's our contact, here's our email, here's our social media page, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, they're there. They're there more so than they were before, but we need more. We yeah. really need more. And we, we need to um, have better ways of promoting them as well too, to other individuals that are struggling or people who have family or loved ones that are struggling. Um, actually, I don't want to say promote because it's, I don't want to say promote, but just let them know that it's there, the, the awareness, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, there's a, there's a, there's a lot. I mean, if you want to, I could send you some, some information. You could post it wherever you want to post it because I'm sure a lot of people are going to be listening to this and want to know where can I get information or support so we can do that instead of getting into it now. I have just some closing remarks. If you are thinking of suicide or think someone else may be, there is help. Call your local crisis line here in Canada. Like Darren said, it's 988 on your mobile or the police or go to the emergency room of your local hospital. Thanks, Darren. Perfect. There you have it, Bloomers. As we conclude today's episode, I would like to say thank you to Darren for his candidness and awareness around mental health, as his insights contribute significantly to fostering a more open and supportive dialogue on this crucial topic. We'd love to hear your stories. Feel free to share your personal journeys in our comments or via our social media channel. Your stories inspire us and help us grow together as a community of Bloomers. Stay tuned for more content, and until next time, keep blooming.